0: This is Aaron Saft in the MR Running Pains podcast. Today, I have repeat guest Miriam Saloom from the Runner's Mechanic, my physical therapist um, and uh, injury expert, we'll say. Um, we talk specifically about injuries today um, and you know what to do about them, how to deal with them, um, when you shouldn't run through them, when potentially you can um just remedies all sorts of things uh, you know just a super helpful um episode here with Miriam as always I appreciate her knowledge and uh and sharing all of this with us so thank you Miriam for for coming on once again um I will catch up with you guys after my talk with Miriam and go over everything that's going on around here so I'll look forward to that and thank you again, Miriam, for this episode. All right. I am here with my favorite physical therapist, Miriam Saloom. Miriam, how are you?
1: I'm good, Aaron. Thanks again for having me.
0: Oh, it's always a pleasure. You know, um, I will say that um, your episodes are probably everybody's favorite episode. Um, They take away (laughs) so much from everything you bring to this. So, I sincerely appreciate you and, and you coming on here. Uh, I was just talking with somebody the other day and they're like, I love your episodes with your physical therapist. And I said, yeah, well, she's coming on again. <laughs> so thank you for being here.
1: I really, really look forward to doing these. I can't thank you enough because <laughs> they're super fun. And I, I love talking about, um, about these subjects for the for people to listen to So they get some, some good information and, and uh, you know, hopefully can keep running healthy.
0: Absolutely. And you can, uh, you can search uh, Miriam's previous episodes. I'll try to put a link to all of them in the show notes because we've done quite an extensive list already of, of episodes, but um, you can search those on uh, my website. You can just type in Miriam's first name, which will be in the show notes and find those episodes. Um, Because we have gone over a ton of stuff. Um, And today we're going to talk about injuries. But uh, prior to getting into all that, Miriam, just, you know, for those that may be listening for the first time as you having you as a guest, just kind of go over who you are, what you do, uh, your background, uh, running experience, all that kind of good
1: stuff. Sure. Uh, my name is Miriam Salome. Uh, I own the Runner's Mechanic Physical Therapy Clinic in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, I treat um, orthopedic conditions both with uh, runners and with just the general population. But I have a specialized video analysis and biomechanical analysis for runners, which um, helps them get a little bit further with their their goals, especially when they're rehabbing. Um, yeah, I think that's that's it. I uh, enjoy trail running myself, and um, I just love the area. So, and I love doing this. I love education. That's so <laughs> one of my my favorites.
0: <laughs> and and you've gotten up to fifty k yourself. Have you gone further?
1: No fifty k. Yeah, I'm really. Enjoy, yeah, yeah. And I'm 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 definitely not one of those people that. Um, I, I definitely fall into the, I'm probably under trained for all of my 50 Ks that I, I throw myself into, but I really enjoy them. Um, but yeah, I really, really enjoy, um, 30 Ks and 50 Ks.
0: Nice. Nice. Perfect. And 50 Ks is, is quite enough. That's for sure. <laughs> <So>
1: for me, <laughs> <laughs> You got to take the rest, Aaron. You got to do the rest for us. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I'll take that burden. <laughs>
0: uh, well, thank you. Um, <clears throat> so, um, let's start, by just defining what are we talking about, you know, when we talk about injuries, give us some parameters for, for that.
1: Yeah. Um, that's an excellent question. So injuries, when it comes to runners are usually in the form of a a tendon issue, um, a bone issue, like a bone stress injury or bone reaction, um, shin splints is a common term for that or muscle strain, that's another common injury. But any of these, these are the three most common structures that we see injured um, in running populations. And really it's the perception of pain that begins to either A, limit your training, or B, starts to compromise the way that you run, the way that you move when you run or compromise your gait. So those are the the two biggest things I think that come to top of mind when you're a runner and you're starting to experience discomfort. Um, You're either having to change your training plan um, because the pain has gotten to a certain level or you realize that you're running in a different way.
0: Mm, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's great. Um, so based on that, based on the fact that, you know, now we've compromised training, right. We, we've kind of had to um, step, you know, kind of step back, perhaps um, lessen the load. Um, or if, like you said, if it's affecting our gait, especially because that can lead us down a whole nother road and, and create more difficulties. Correct.
1: Yes. Yes, definitely. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. So based on that, um, what would, what would probably a a runner's next step be?
1: Yeah. You know, and I, that's why I sent you those studies because I thought it was really interesting. Um, being a runner myself, but also working with all kinds of levels of runner, there was, uh, there was a couple of studies that went on to the psychology of runners and, and what do we typically do and, and we found with uh, more recreational runners so people that run for general health and enjoyment and some stress relief so Um, not not huge race goals, but just running um, with smaller parts of time for their enjoyment. Um, They tend to do more of kind of auto regulation where they they either decrease their uh, time running or um, their training plan. Um, Some people, when they start to experience running and they just started, they'll just stop altogether. Um, So those are some of the behaviors that we see with recreational runners. Um, And when they look at the psychology and some of the studies with um, more um advanced or experienced runners, some sub-elites. Um, and obviously this has to do with uh, with the level that they're running at that point. Um, it's definitely a more serious part of their lives, um, a little bit more of their um their self, um, they find that they they tend to, when they start to encounter an injury and it, it seems foreign to them, it's something they haven't experienced before. They tend to go, um, there's two behaviors that they will see sometimes. Um, one is overactivity where the runner really actually starts to progress their training hoping that it will go away. Um, and then also what they call magical thinking, where um, if they, and I think we've all been there at some point. I mean, this is not beyond any of us. Uh, we've all been there at some point where with magical thinking, you, you just ignore it as much as you can, thinking it will just go away. if It's not top of mind. Um, unfortunately, with those studies, uh, runners that that um, express that's how they, they thought about injuries would eventually have to stop their training because the injury would become, um, too bad for them to continue training. So anyway, I thought those two studies were really interesting um, because it shows the behaviors that we, we, we normally kind of go into either self auto-regulation where we're decreasing our training or where we'll just ramp it up and try to between, uh, uh, try to imagine that it's not actually happening. So um, ideally uh, if we can intervene uh, and look at um, modifying training and figuring out what's going on, um, that's the best route to keep training in the
0: long run. Mm-hmm. Right on, and I will—I'll uh, try to create a link if I can in the show notes to those studies that Miriam's referring to. Um, you know, when we think about um, you know our mental process, <laughs> um, <laughs> some may just call it denial. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we uh, we hate you know we hate to think that we're going to lose any fitness. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, as runners, it's just, you know, we've, we've been training, you know, we're just scared that the time off is going to take, um, you know, away from that. Um, and and in the reality, if we could just for a moment kind of sidetrack here and just talk about, you know, does that, you know, time off, let's say it's, you know, say it's a week to two weeks in reality, are we losing much fitness?
1: Um, it just depends on what level that you were at at that point. Um, and I would say the two most common conversations I have with runners that come in, um, and, and a lot of times they're, they're kind of different kind of runners, but, but one would be, I didn't want to go see somebody because I thought they would tell me to stop running. Um, and so they continue to, to train and not get help because they didn't want someone to tell them that. Um and then the other the other kind of runner that I see is one that you know I started I kept trying to run. Um I just figured I wasn't a good runner. It wasn't meant for me, and I stopped. Um and you know, I really enjoy, I mean, I I think a lot of the beginning of my interviews are are talking to people about that kind of mentality because um many health practitioners that, that deal with runners, I mean, it is our utmost goal to keep clients running as much as possible while allowing their injury to heal. Um, the one ca- caveat to that is bone stress injuries when people have a, a possible stress fracture in an area that's in a critical zone. We just can't do that with impact. We have to we have to find something different for running. But it's not going to behoove them at all to keep running on a stress fracture anyway. So it's still a win win. But for the most part, 90 percent of injuries. We're still having people run um, with a certain prescription to allow them to heal while we're addressing the specific issue. So it's kind of a yes and a no. If you, you you know, sat on the couch or, um, you know, just decided all out to just quit physical activity for two weeks, it's kind of like when you have the flu or something like that and you're knocked out, it takes a while to build back up. Um, So in that part, but yeah, if you cross train, you definitely can keep up your VO2 max. And that's a pretty successful way to look at um, uh, combating injury when you can't run to the level that you, that you, that you need to for your training, it's cross training. So, and you're great with that with your clients. I know um, helping them get through those, er- those times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I want, well, you know, uh, you know, it takes our team, right? Like uh, it's once, once it's recognized that, you know, there is something that is, uh, it's really degrading the training, right? It's taking away from our training time and, and working, you know, towards our goal, that's like when i say hey listen it's time to you know go see your physical therapist or you know go see a sports ortho if if it's you know that bad um but you know the reality is like you said we can use other you know other ways to to cross train and gain aerobic fitness um you know based on like the injury is there specific things that you know are are you know kind of proven that you can do this? Like, you know, if, if let's just say, for instance, you've got like Achilles tendinopathy, right. And that it's mm-hmm. just really bugging the runner, you know, um, as, is there certain things that cross training that, you know, that have been proven to be not, I'm not necessarily saying, you know, that it can replace running, but that you can still do, you know, we can guide them towards this activity to do, um, you know, so that they can still gain some aerobic fitness.
1: Yes, definitely. Um, and when you brought up the subject matter, the one idea I really want to get across to people is the importance of defining exactly what is wrong, what the pain generator is, because that is going to basically define the path of your rehab. And you're going to be able to figure out the most that you're able to do based on the definition of the injury. So let's, you know, like you gave the instance of tendons, okay. Okay. So a mid-portion Achilles tendinopathy or a high hamstring tendinopathy. This gives us a lot of information about how we can cross-train somebody because tendons actually don't like rest. Um, So unloading a tendon completely actually doesn't help at all. It It doesn't get better. Um, so, a lot of these clients were able to have them keep running with some kind of prescription based on the tendon location and function. Um, so, with some tendons, we know that running fast uphill will really aggravate them, but running at a moderate pace on more level ground is, is fine for a certain amount of time. So, we kind of write out this running prescription so it can keep people with a tendon issue running. And then cross training for higher VO2. So maybe they're doing um, more, you know, some some high heart rate cycling or something like that, or power hiking. So we're just kind of mixing it up a bit. Um, But that's based on the exact pathology. So attendance, they do like loading. We just have to load them accordingly with the right stressors um, so they can continue to heal. And then also, we're doing some strengthening in the background. Um, when it comes to a stress fracture or something, especially a stress, um, a bony stress injury in a, in a location where we know we can still load it, but we don't want to overload it because we could bump into a stress fracture. We are either looking at um, a lower level of running or uh, activities that don't involve impact. So that's where, you know, cycling, elliptical swimming, deep water jogging all come into a really great place. We also want to do, um, squats, but we don't want to do burpees. We don't want to do jump rope at some point, you know, so it just really depends on the actual etiology of the injury. Um, and we want to know that that is probably the most important thing for somebody to, to know when they have an injury is just to go to whatever practitioners are comfortable with and to find exactly what it is. And that way they can get better faster.
0: Yeah, no, that's, I think that's key that, you know, just to reinforce that, that we, understand what it is we're dealing with so you know whoever that is that's going to help diagnose that is you know it's kind of you should seek that avenue right and you may see your pt first and your pt may say hey listen you know i'm i'm 85 sure this is what it is but to have the the true identity of what you know what are we dealing with that's going to give us the best you know, solution so that we can come up with a comprehensive plan to, to get you back in action. Um, cause as you said, sometimes, you know, um, when we deal with some of these injuries, um, just taking time off doesn't help that injury. You know, it may feel better, but you know, you've not strengthened it or, you know, or used it to the capacity that you should. So when you get back to running, you may just, you know, kind of trigger it again. Um, So I, I, I I love the fact that you just, you stress that sometimes you have to engage it, you know, and, and deal with it, but it's, you know, it's, it's finding out what it is. And then with your medical team, you know, your physical therapist, your physician coming up with that action plan to say, okay, this is how we get you back to your, your normal training load. So perfect. Thank you. Um, uh, and you know, some of those activities, um, you know, it it may not include cross training. Uh, what other, um, what other things do you like to incorporate, you know, so far as strength and mobility for, for these, you know, um, more, I would say like tendon issues, you know, we're not, we're not talking about bone right now. We're talking about tendon and muscle issues.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I never want to make uh, identifying an injury seem overwhelming to a client. Like a lot of times this is just an injury screen with your provider. Um, really the only time I ever, I mean, I work with some great orthodox um, and for using for different reasons. Uh, But the one times is just when I think it's a critical stress fracture. That's when when I definitely bring somebody else on board for looking at an x-ray or something like that. But a lot of times it doesn't have to be a huge involved ordeal. It's just getting a a good thorough health screen, looking exactly what structure it is and, and, and going from there. Um, but yeah, so when we're looking at, at, at tendon loading, strength training is a really great part. I know it seems very counterintuitive, and I've talked about this before. But tendons are actually meant to handle the transfer of power um, from from one part to the other. So sometimes I'll I'll give the analogy like a tendon's like a hose, and it's really supposed to handle a certain amount of water pressure. So when we start ramping up either mileage and especially speed, that's when we have to re- the the hose is having to handle an enormous amount of pressure, and sometimes because of certain reasons that the hose fails in that in that um, in that task. So with tendons, we actually want to stiffen them, which sounds, and I'm not talking about range of motion or not being able to move. Stiffening means that the the hose, the resilience of that hose is better. It can handle more pressure. So there's certain kinds of strengthening for certain tendons that, that can help. Um, And the thing with tendons, especially when they first start to um, bother us and they feel very sensitive and inflamed, um, we don't want to put those tendons on stretch when we load them. And so um, for the hamstring tendon, um, I probably won't give someone a deadlift, um, an RDL at first, because it's stretching the hamstring tendon while we're loading it. Um, It might be something I do later on down the line, but I probably would do something more like a straight leg um, weighted bridge or something where the hamstring um, is is extended or straight across the hip joint at the time that we're loading it. Um, And the same thing for the Achilles. Um, If someone has a really hot, sensitive, painful Achilles, um, I might not start them um, on a stretch with the heel off the step for their loading. I probably will start them on the floor or something like that. Um, so that's where it becomes a little bit of a nuance. And I think people get a little bit, um, further faster with that. Um, but strengthening is really great for, for, tendons, you know, and it doesn't have to be anything complicated. Um, you know, if you're doing a strength program just to start out before you're injured, even twice a week for 30 or 45 minutes, you know, you can get some home stuff. You know, you just want to, you just want to be able to be moving some weight that feels challenging to you for a couple reps. Um, but it can be a very simple program. so. Um, those things are great,
0: you know, And with everything, there's always, uh, you know, different caveats. But um, let's take for a moment, because you know, typically, you know, I would say, and you can correct me that if I'm wrong, but we're seeing more cases, or you're seeing more cases of kind of tendonitis tendinopathy versus tears correct both tendon and muscular I mean I I, I guess you could say that the you know, muscles might have a more propensity towards micro tears because we're doing it you know all the time when we're running but you know if we had a significant tear um, would the course of action still be similar or um, you know would we have to be uh, take a different course of action for you know for a tear
1: Yeah, so um, there's different kinds of tears. So uh, there are kind of these kind of chronic insidious um, small tendon tears. Sometimes it can happen as we get older and the tendon uh, really starts to um, lose some of its resiliency. So um, sometimes I can see a runner that has had um, chronic um, tendon problems and upon like ultrasound or MRI, they will see kind of small tears in the tendon substance itself. Um, we treat it the same way. It's just, that's more of a degenerated, um, type, uh, injury with the tendon In younger populations. Um, uh, we'll either see a strain within the muscle, um, which those are, those experienced more as like a sharp pain that will kind of stop you in your tracks. So like, um, a calf strain. Um, I think a lot of people have experienced those where they're just Extremely painful, stops you in your tracks. And for a couple of weeks, you, you just have to kind of baby it and do what you can while the, while the muscle um, repairs itself. Um, there's also vulsion, um injuries where, uh, and this is again in younger populations where the tendon is sometimes stronger than the growth plate. Um, and the tendon will actually pull at the bony insertion and pull some of that bone off. Um, that's a little bit of a different issue, but that's also with younger populations. Um, but muscle strains are usually in the middle of the belly. Um, they're either a deep ache or sharp pain, um, and in the more the higher grade ones, they're just they're really painful, and you you just let time heal them as you you run as you can, strengthen, um, and just kind of listen to your symptoms. But those are usually you know anywhere from four to eight weeks. Um, so those are kind of the the typical muscle strains that we see.
0: Are there any? kind of uh, precursors or telltale signs that you might be heading in that direction. Now, you know, I, I know that we watch, you know, we watch sprinters all the time and, you know, they'll be, they're so explosive that a lot of the times mm-hmm. it's hard to to say like, yeah, he, you know, he was, he was really primed for this. Cause you know, it's just such a really just, you're just, you know, exploding out of the blocks and all of a sudden you just see them pull up with the hamstring pull. Um, But for like distance runners, you talked about like the calf strain and which is, you know, something I've I've had over and over again. Um, Is there uh, is there something that, you know, if if we're, you know, kind of scanning through our body, you know, um, or, you know, just like manipulating the muscle just kind of doing some real just gentle kind of massage, you know, kind of just pushing through the muscle. It, would you feel anything or, that we would know of, um, you know, to know that there's something going on there or is it, you know, just one of those things that just kind of, it rears its ugly head. And, you know, you, you may not have had, <laughs> may not have had any, anything that would say, you know, this is, this is about to happen.
1: Yeah. Um, palpating an injury. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't say there's, there's any evidence that we can actually palpate something before it becomes a problem. Um, I do like, and that's another reason I like some strain training, especially when you're, when you're doing some single limb stuff. Um, uh, I like single leg heel raises, um, for strengthening the calves, um, and some single leg planks. And sometimes you can really tell as a difference between one side versus the other. Um, and that's, that's why I like using those sometimes because it, it really helps. I think on the front end, you realize one side might need a little bit more um that strengthening really is a big part of that that side i think anytime i talk to a client everyone feels like they have one good side and one bad side <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh and that's not always the case but i think i think keeping up with your strength training and and challenging your system right to left um, on my youtube i have a series of these bunky tests which um, are just basically single leg planks um, in different positions. And that's a it's a really easy way um, to look at your endurance um, right to left with certain planes. Um, so it's basically a single leg plank either when you're on your back, on your side, um, for the adductors. Um, it's a it's a really easy way to, to kind of look, you know, are you having some asymmetry side to side? And the calf one is a real, a really big one. Um, so when you're looking at your calf raises side to side, I think that's super important. Um, so sometimes I think strength training is a nice way to even keep, keep a, a checklist of, of, you know, your, your systems, you know, how, how things are going internally.
0: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, it could be something further up the kinetic chain, right. That, you know, you've got some kind of, um, immobilization or, or weakness, like you're saying, um, that could be, you know, just causing something to be slightly off in your gate and that, you know, that little, little bit of, a misstep, if you will, because of that weakness up higher may cause, you know, something to be injured down lower. Um,
1: yeah. And that's really true for endurance athletes where you're looking more at repetition, um, and cumulative loads and things like that. Um, so, I mean, I think a lot of times I'll talk to people where, you know, they'll have like a deep ache in their hip, for several months before they have, you know, a, a strain or a gluten or something like that. Same thing with calves and hamstrings, you know. Um, speed work usually gets those, teases those out pretty quickly, calf and hamstrings. Um, but yeah, you're exactly right. It's just a repetitive motion of endurance running.
0: Um, you know, we, we would be remiss to not talk about, um, you know, Dr. Google.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: um, I, you know, I, I get so many times, an athlete asks you know like well you know i looked online or i posted online and this is what i got um, can you talk a little bit about the dangers of doing that please
1: yeah uh, and you know i don't ever see anything wrong i mean there's a lot of great information out there um i do like when people ask their peers uh, about some helpful recommendations and kind of sifting that out um, because I, I do think runners, you know, I, I always think of things as, as kind of like a, a, a large research design study. And when you're looking at populations, I mean, you really, I mean, you're, you're looking at um, advice from people or a group of people that have kind of tried everything, you know. So sometimes I do think that kind of recommendation from peers, especially ones that you know and trust, um, are super helpful. Um, and then it's it's not a problem if you want to Google things. The problem is when you start getting this. St- huge bolus of information and you don't know how to sift it out or what applies to you or, um, you know, that kind of thing.
0: I was talking more specifically for (laughs) self-diagnosis.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because someone could have heel pain. Um, and I've had, I've actually had this happen where they had heel pain. Um, and they think, you know, okay, I have Achilles tendopathy and they're doing all this stuff and they can't figure it out and they come in and it's actually more of a calcaneal stress fracture. Um, which is not, which is definitely, a, I think a little bit, obviously less common than an Achilles tendopathy. So you wouldn't necessarily have that pop up on Google first. Um, so, um, yeah, so there's just a lot of information out there. I would say if something, if you're, if, if you're trying things and things aren't getting better, um, definitely just, just seek some help. Um, it's super easy, um, because you don't like in that case, you know, you start treating a, a calcaneal stress fracture, like an Achilles tendopathy. um, and keep at the same level of um activity and it doesn't it doesn't work out well so
0: right on mm-hmm. thank you um you know if in or if we talk about injury here where you know you've you've gone in you've uh you've got it diagnosed you've got a course of action um you know is there a follow-up process that you know folks should follow
1: Oh yeah. So again, I'm, I'm gonna I'm probably keep circling back to that statement of knowing exactly what it is because if you know that there really is, um, I mean, it's different for everybody, but there really is a, a, a progression for those those issues that, that can be pretty um, easy and, and maintained. So, um, say so we'll say again for our example of a tendon, we diagnose it as a mid portion tendon issue. Um, and we've kind of gone through phase one where the tendon's feeling pretty good. You're able to do some loading, a modified running program. Um, there is a, a pain score that's that's used with most most practitioners practitioners that you that deal with tendon issues um, uses this pain score. It's by um, I'm probably going to say it incorrectly. Tom T-H-O-M-E-E, um, that basically said from zero to two that's a, that's a safe zone. We kind of give that a green light. From two to four, two to five that's kind of our yellow light that's where we want to kind of heat some caution and then five to ten is our red light so when we start with the running program and advancing that running program Uh, We want to stay within that green or yellow, and we want to make sure that the pain levels are coming down by the next day. And also when we start the loading program, it's the same thing. We want those pain levels. It's okay if they get into the yellow. um, After you do, say, your your heel raises, maybe your pain goes up to a 4 out of 10. We want that back down the next morning to baseline of of between 0 and 2. So we kind of use that green light, yellow light, red light when we're progressing the running program, the the lifting program, um, that kind of thing. And so, again, if we know exactly what structure it is, super helpful um, with bone injuries, recovering from a stress fracture. It's a little bit different. Um, we just want to keep listening to those symptoms. But a lot of times the loading will be um, maybe in the beginning, especially when they're coming from a they, they were taken off of running. maybe went to deep water jogging for a while and then we go into a series of squats a couple times a day. Um, walking during work all day, then we progress to um, a small r- walk run program. So, so yeah, there's, there's a progression for everything. And it can be pretty easy to communicate how it's going and progressing. But um, you just want to know exactly what it is.
0: And, you know, one of the, the, the barriers that I've encountered um, a number of times um, is that the the athlete will say, I can't afford, you know, an appointment um, for, for physical therapy or for a doctor's visit for, for this, you know, um, is there, is there an, an accessible way, um, do you know of any, um, any resources that people can, um, use in order to help them, you know, financially get through an, you know, an appointment or make an appointment?
1: Let's see. So, we say that question again, cause I try, I think I kind of got lost. I was trying to think of how they could figure out a rehab schedule.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Sure. Um, if, a, if a person just, they, you know, they simply feel that they don't have the financial means to, um, you know, for, uh, an in-person appointment, are there other avenues they can take that might be cheaper or do you know of any resources that could help them so that they can pay for, you know, an appointment, um, especially if, you know, if insurance isn't going to cover it and all that?
1: You know, I, as, as far as something like that, I mean, diagnosis is really the the biggest thing. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of walking clinics. Um, again, I don't know what their cash, you know, if someone doesn't have insurance, like what they're, you know, sometimes they'll offer it someone wants to pay cash for that, that's fine. But um, there's a lot of walk-in clinics here in Asheville that people can just stop in and and get a screening for. Um, But I don't know of any resources um, otherwise.
0: Yeah. Figured I'd just ask. Um, Yeah. And, uh, you know, in, since COVID has hit, excuse me, I have noticed that we've had more and more um, accessibility towards medical professionals virtually um you know can you talk about that you know um how does that you know it it, both in the diagnosis and the uh let's say the remediation process um how does that how does that work or not work
1: (laughs) oh yeah 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 so that's you know with all the all the obviously negatives of covid i do believe one of the um plus sides of having to be forced to do things through more telehealth and technology is is making them more accessible. I mean, I think in a lot of professions. So when I go through a telehealth appointment with somebody, um, you know, as a physical therapist, one of our more more valuable screen tools is just the subjective, you know, going through, you know, the the pain pattern, uh, where they're experiencing their symptoms, um, putting people through some functional tests. We can do a pretty good job of, of really saying, you know, this is X, Y, and Z. This is how we're going to do our phase one progression, Um, and so it's a really it's it's been a great tool. I used it obviously a whole lot in the beginning, Um, and then um, really nowadays, it's still on my website. Like people can still schedule those kinds of calls, um, but people tend to come in. But what I do ask them to do is you know if they get home, um, anyone that comes in and has an evaluation, I'm like if you get home, you have an you know a question about an exercise. Um, just give me a video call. You know, it's very easy and tell us. I mean, I, it takes me five minutes to go over the exercise or see if there's any problems with it or see if we need to um, change it a little bit or if they just want to show me something. Um, so I've, I've loved it. I think it's been very, very helpful um, in my profession. I think I've heard the same from other people's professions. So, um, so yeah, the telehealth is, is great. So I can, I've done full running screens and functional screens uh, via telehealth and, and they've, they've gone well.
0: Nice. Great. Right. Um, you know, you touched on earlier in our conversation um, about we uh, we often seek kind of like a silver bullet or a magic pill, right? That's going to resolve this. Um, you know, there's all sorts of um, you know devices, um, garments. You know, all sorts of things out on the market that you know claim to to help with whatever injury X, Y, or Z. Um, but before buying, you know, anything what would you suggest to you know to the uh to the runner or to this this person
1: (laughs) might sound like a broken record um (laughs) again just identifying exactly what it is i think so putting in you know whatever little bit of time and effort that is just saying you know getting diagnosis what exactly is going on um i think is super helpful um you know I, i always feel like um if someone sits down and I, you know, I do this with them too and they come in, but if, if they sit down and really take a mental note, I mean, even a journal of what's gone on in the last month, um, as far as, you know, changes in training, pace, they take up speed work, did they change shoes? Did they try a new orthotic? Did they start running with a new group of friends? Has work become more stressful? Has their sleep really declined? Um, When was the last time they got blood work done or, you know, a physical? Um, I think taking a really good inventory, just sitting down and and just doing that can be super helpful because I think people can identify some issues that might have popped up in the last four to six weeks that may have made them susceptible to something like that. Um, And so the big ones that I usually see that um, when we're talking about magic pills, so sometimes like they've changed shoes. Um, and they didn't realize that they really, um, they can go back to their, their wiggle shoe store and, and talk about this, but they don't realize that sometimes that they've made a huge switch um, in the kind of shoe that they've gone to, or maybe certain things about them that made it, it wasn't that their system wasn't that prepared for that shoe or, you know, taking out their inserts or putting your inserts back in or something like that, or realizing they were running much more than they thought they were. Um, Especially, I mean, that was a big thing in COVID. Um, People were ramping up their mileage like crazy. I don't think they really realized it. They just had more time. Um, I think also you, um, I'll talk to people that haven't had a a physical in quite a while. Um, And sometimes just looking at vitamin D and iron levels is super important. Um, So those are, those one thing. Sometimes it's physical stressors. People realize they've been going through um life stressors like change of job divorce um really some big things that are that take a toll on their their ecology you know their their um their their stress levels and that really can wear somebody down so i think those simple things to oh another thing is a lot of people don't realize that they can have bony stress injuries that pop up two weeks after an event Um, so I will see some people, um, that come in with a a bony stress injury and their downhill race was two, two weeks ago. And they're like, well, it wasn't that I felt fine. Um, but a lot of times those things can pop up two weeks after the event. So, um, you know, those are always things to kind of, I think taking a mental record or a journal about what's been going on can be super helpful. Mm -hmm.
0: Great. Great. Um, so, uh, we're going to talk about a dirty word here starts with a um, surgery. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, let's say you visit a physician and, and they feel that your injury requires surgery. Um, that's a, you know, it's a big undertaking for the body and for, you know, for the runner. Um, do you often suggest they just go with that assessment or should they seek a second opinion? I know, again, you know, this is going to depend on The injury the severity of the injury um but um you know how can this person know that that's the right course of action
1: yeah i think that's a great question um and it's kind of a 2 part but i i think you'd also mentioned is it you know should you get a second opinion um i think where you're looking at something that's that's big for you like that i think getting second opinions are great um i think getting third opinions are great i think looking at regionally some different um, some different practices and see how they go about it um, are nice. And I don't think it's a bad idea to to look online and kind of see what's out there. Um, but I think being super informed is, is a great, um, and, and finding also, I think it's important that you find somebody if you're going to look at a surgical option that you're very comfortable with um, someone that not only, you know, checks the boxes of being an expert in their field, they do that surgery in and out all day, every day. Um, but also there's somebody that, you know, you trust, um, or you get a good feeling about, cause I think that's really important. Um, especially for, for athletes when they have a surgery is, is feeling like they, they trust their practitioner. Um, so yeah. And it's also, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people, stave off even investigating things like that and go through a lot of pain that they they not necessarily have to because sometimes when you go you know seek the advice of an orthopedist about a surgery there are some in-between options too that they'll offer you also Um, so um I think again sometimes going for that second opinion you might realize there's another um, kind of in-between procedure that sounds good to you that maybe will give you a little bit more time or something like that so um, my biggest uh, you know, recommendation is, you know, obviously get opinions and also don't be scared, um, of, of investigating those options. Cool. Thanks. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, you know, we also touched, you know, you also touched a little bit on returning, you know, to your training regimen and, you know, some, some ideas, perhaps it's a walk run program, you know, like we want to return safely, right. And build back into your training. We don't want to just jump back into it, but, you know, with that said, how do we know it is safe to start that build back? You know, is uh, um, is there something that we're looking for, you know, or trying to feel, um, it, you know, that that kind of gives us that get that green light to begin that that build back process?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, let's just take a scenario where someone's been out of running; they've been in deep water jogging for whatever reason, or you know, um, cycling or, or whatever. They really haven't. Um, been loading that much. Um, We want to start them on a loading program. Um, So we probably have, you know, a little bit of a a lifting program two or three times a week. Um, But obviously, I want someone to do a a brisk walk for 30 minutes. Um, I want to make sure that their symptoms are pretty much nil um, and they're able to do that kind of 30, 45 minute brisk walk, walk, walk three miles or so without a lot of symptoms. I think that's a great, you know, first step. Um, and then starting again on, on some kind of run progression, whether that's, you know, there, and there's a couple out there, but a run walk progression. We never do in the beginning consecutive days. We're always doing at least a 24 hour gap between those run walk events. And again, you know, just kind of writing down again that zero to 10 pain scale, zero to two is green light. It's okay if we get in the yellow light during the, during the activity. You know, the pain is up to between a two and a, or a four and a five, as long as it's going back down by the next day. Um, if it starts, you know, you're getting into the five, six, sevens or a little bit of limping, it's too much. Um, we have to bring it back down. So um, I think, again, the, the biggest thing is that you can do some, some good brisk walks, 30 to 45 minutes, no pain. Um, you're able to tolerate, you know, a little bit of lifting, um
0: you know squats lunges things like that um and then you know onto the run walk yeah and you know you talked about the the 24 gap 24 hour gap uh, between runs Mm -hmm. um in between if they want to cross train with something that has been successful or that has been recommended is, is that okay or are we looking for a complete rest on the days in between
1: yeah, we're usually looking at another type of loading, maybe on the days or in between. But we want to do everything very progressively. So I always tell people, <laughs> I laugh because I give analogies for things I really don't know much about. Like I don't know, I only really know how to cook, you know. <laughs> but I will always give this rest, this thing about think about like a recipe where um, if you're a runner and you know you're like, well, I have my run walk here, but then I have uh, I'm gonna walk my dog again later in the afternoon, and then I'm gonna do my hit class. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that all these things aren't right or wrong, but you want to add them in um, slowly, you know, like an ingredient to a recipe and see how you respond to that. You know, so if you want to go back to your HIT class once a week, you know, just do that that week. That's going to be the only new thing that week is going to your HIT class um, and seeing how your body responds to that versus, again, going to a HIT mm-hmm. class and then, you know, taking up your job as a dog walker again, or whatever that may be. Um, so it's it's just I always tell people to treat treat their rehab almost like a scientific experiment. We you know we don't want to add too many variables all at once. We want to see how we respond to those. So,
0: and you know, injuries are they're bound to happen. I mean, there you know there are very few runners that can say that they've never had a, you know an injury. Um, but that said. Is there things that, you know, we can do ancillary things that we can do outside of running that can help, you know, stave off injury or, you know, keep us, um, you know, more on the straight and narrow where, you know, even if we do get injured, it may not be uh, uh, severe because we had done X, Y, or Z, you know, prior and, and, you know, allowed ourselves to, to be a little bit stronger, a little bit more mobile. Are there things that you can think of?
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, so again, I think having a simple lifting program two or three times a week is a, is a really there's a, there's a few studies that support that that, that it gives us some resiliency. Um, we're we're keeping some stiffness in our tendons, some strength in our muscles, outside of the running um, activity itself. Um, I do think some activity and it can be anything. I mean, I, I think that's why sometimes people gravitate towards yoga or plays or meditation, but something that keeps us mentally pliable. Um, I think if we, especially as runners, I think a lot of us run, I mean, I am include myself in this one, um, running, running really helps relieve a lot of stress and it really helps also for a lot of mental health. Um, and a lot of times if we don't have some other outlet to mentally kind of decompress if we have an injury it really it really is a struggle to to handle that um, and to rehab appropriately because we don't have another mental outlet to kind of decompress with so something that helps you become mentally pliable whether that's painting or um, you know again a yoga class or something that you really can enjoy and mentally kind of decompress with, because I think that helps with that mentality of being okay with changing things for a little bit while you get better. Um, again, I think keeping up with your physicals, making sure that you know, you're eating well, you're sleeping well, um, you're hydrating on a normal basis. Um, those are really important for um, the ecology of the runner and the health of the runner. And you probably have noticed too with like heart rates, like sometimes you'll probably have a runner go out and their heart rate just spikes and you realize they've, they've been under a lot of stress or they're not sleeping. Um, that's a, that really makes us vulnerable to injuries. Um, so I think those are kind of some nice points. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of good things out there that you'll you'll see um, that are common knowledge. But I think people don't take into account their mental well being um, enough. And then just especially with strength training, they kind of blow it up to be this big thing. It seems overwhelming. It doesn't have to be. Yes, you, know, so you can do this at home twice a week.
0: Yep, yep. And you know, from <clears throat> excuse me, from if I put my coaching hat on for a moment, um, I love. Uh, incorporating strength core into everybody's program. Um, And as Miriam said, it doesn't have to be complex. It should not detract from your training. In other words, it should not create too much fatigue in that you have to recover from the strength session. You know, you may be a little bit sore at the beginning of the program because you're doing a new movement, you know? So um, if you get too sore, you know, perhaps you're doing too much, too much weight, too much, you know, too many reps. Um, So be cautious of that, seek advice there as well. Um, And remember that, you know, there are certain phases where your concentration is going to be more on your running volume. So, um, you know, make sure you're focusing on the right thing and the right part of your training. Um, The other thing I'll add to, as Miriam said, resting heart rate is a really good indicator of your fatigue level and how you are recovering. Um, If you come off of a vent, you know, really take note of your resting heart rate. You should, you know, before you start building your, your volume back, you should see your resting heart rate return to normal. Um, if it's still high, you're not quite recovered yet. You don't want to add more stress or more training onto your body as well, because then you're just running in a fatigued state and running in a fatigued state can also lead to injury. So be real cognizant of your resting heart rate. I like to have my athletes record it every day just so I can make sure that they're recovering, especially after hard workouts and long runs and races. And then the other thing I have them record is hours slept. Because that gives us a fuller picture of how, you know, how is the recovery process going? Are you sleeping enough to allow your body enough recovery? So all of these things, as Miriam said, can contribute. So be real cognizant of all these pieces, because, you know, uh, we talked about earlier, what are some things you can do to, you know, perhaps stave off injury? These are some really easy things you can do to monitor and make sure you're on the right course and you're on the right training path. Um, Anything that you have to add to what I just said, Miriam?
1: Excellent. Excellently stated.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is there anything else that we should talk about um, when it comes to injuries? Uh, Did I miss anything or is there something glaring that like, (laughs) we we didn't include this?
1: Gosh, um, I I like what we talked about. I think um, just arming people with that idea of identifying um, what structure is the issue, um, knowing those kind of safe parameters when we're talking about the, um, the pain rating score for your activities, if you're staying in the green and yellow as you're, as you're doing your rehab and, and letting it come back down versus knocking into the red, um, I think is also another good one. And then taking care of yourself as a whole. Um, I think these are all excellent Fantastic. points. So Great. yeah.
0: Thank you. Um, how can people get a hold of you?
1: Yes, um, my website, uh the Um, uh, my my phone's on there, my email, uh runner, runnersmechanic at gmail.com. Um, you can also do a consultation call. I have those on my website under the appointments. Um, if you have a question about which way to go or any questions about the podcast, I'm happy to talk to you about them. Um so yeah, reach out anytime.
0: Thank you so much again, Miriam. Uh, I think people can take away a lot from this conversation. So as always, thank you.
1: Thanks for having me, Erin. I appreciate it.
0: What a great, 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 great episode, Miriam. Thank you so much again for everything um, that you do for our community, for for all of our runners and Man, it's just she knows so much, and I'm so glad that we have her as a resource. So uh, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to Miriam. Uh, I will put her website in the show notes, therunnersmechanic.com. But thank you again. As for everything that's going on around here, it is now March, and that means that the March newsletter is out Um, put a lot into the newsletter as I try to do always, uh, in this newsletter, I talk about, um, actually the new phase of training that I am in, which, uh, is the Lydiard strength phase. And that's, um, in that phase, uh, Lydiard had his folks work on, um, plyometric drills. So, uh, you do these drills on a hill, um, you know, uh, I'm, I, I'm recording this and yesterday I just did um, basically one drill uh, just because I did a big run on Sunday uh, in the Smokies and my legs were still a little bit tired and my quads were a little bit sore. So, um, but um, the, uh, I just did a slow jog, high knees, uh, just repeated on a 200 meter hill nine times. I uh, could feel, you know, the difference by the end of the workout, I was uh, definitely more limber. I felt a lot looser. Um, legs were moving better. I had better, you know, cognizant awareness of where my body was, where my pelvis was, where my back was. Uh, you know, it just really um, kind of dials in. It, it also shows you if there's anything going on, if you have any type of weaknesses, uh, those come out, you know, and, and you're <laughs> they're very... Um, Uh, You're able to acknowledge that, (laughs) yes, I need to work on X, Y, or Z. So, um, but I have that in there. Um, You know, basically, uh, I I wrote you know a few different articles that are in this this newsletter, Um, and uh, um, like I said, try to put a lot of time and effort into uh, into these. So, uh, it's a free publication. So you can subscribe on my website, MrRunningPains.com. So you can head over there. See everything I talk about um, pacing for a hundred mile race. Uh, I just really tried to um, put stuff in there that's going to be useful to folks you know um, a lot of times newsletters um, you know they 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 you know they they put some stuff out there, but um, <laughs> you know i I want to make this extremely useful so check it out. Um as I said, it, uh, all of my old newsletters are archived on my website under the Connect With Me page, uh, as well as all my old podcast episodes. They're all on there, so you can check everything out on my website, and again, you can subscribe also on my website. So that's going on. Um, Hellbender, um, lots of stuff going on. We've got a new episode for the podcast coming out this Saturday uh, with Corey Alexander, Uh, Corey uh, had a DNF in 2019, and we talk about his story and, and why he's coming back. Um, and you know, what, what his mindset is and, uh, purpose behind coming back and all. So, um, really great conversation with Corey. I look forward to, uh, to sharing that, that episode with you guys. Um, do you have some big hellbender news? Um, I am not going to release that here on this episode, but, um, that is forthcoming. I am super excited to, uh, to announce that. Um, and, uh, you know, this is not the platform for it. So, um, i will uh I'll do that through the the correct avenues, but uh just a little teaser, some really cool news for Hellbender um, could still use some volunteers for Hellbender, so um, if you are available the weekend of May sixth and seventh um, I hope you would consider coming out and helping us put on this um you know really awesome community event and be a part of it so please consider that or if you know somebody that uh you can you know volunteer with. Uh, Even better, you can sign up on Ultra Sign Up on the Hellbender uh, page. You'll see the volunteer button there and the um, positions that are available uh, with day and time and all that stuff are on there. Um, I've already started emailing the volunteers, uh, the volunteer manual, and we're going to have some Zoom meetings. So lots of stuff happening with Hellbender. Obviously, it's getting close. So very excited for that. Um everything else going on yeah like i said i just came off a pretty good run um in the smokies um ran up mount sterling and um uh kamir Camere? uh, kamir <laughs> i'm not sure how you say the other mountain <laughs> but uh i i did bag both of their summits um it's about a 23 mile run uh, and about s- just over 7,000 feet of gain um so it was a beautiful run you can see it on strava uh, did it on Sunday. Uh, really good. I, you know, gave me really good confidence going into Scar, which um, is uh, March 13th for me. So that's coming up super fast. So I'm excited for my first brute, um, you know, brute challenge run. Um, Scar, and uh, you know, basically my run finished basically where the Scar route finishes for me uh, near Davenport Gap on the uh, on the Appalachian Trail. So um, really, really excited. That's coming up quick, kind of getting my stuff together, getting my gear together, um, and uh, you know, just trying to make sure legs feel good and, and they're ready to go. Um, so all good there. Um, uh, coaching, uh, Coaching, you know, as I put in my newsletter, uh, extremely busy right now. Um, unfortunately I cannot take clients at this time. Um, I, I will, after hellbender, I will certainly be picking back up. I believe I'll start to have some spaces available after hellbender. Um, and, uh, you know, so uh, you you can certainly reach out to me now, but just know I probably can't onboard anybody till after Hellbender takes place. Uh, I really need to focus on the athletes I have right now, and as well as Hellbender. <laughs> so, um, you know, thank you guys so much for for your confidence and reaching out to me, uh, asking for training. Just know that's my timeline right now, um, and uh, I certainly want to help everybody help everybody I can. You know, but. Um, I also want to make sure I'm doing a good job and, you know, giving my time to those, um, you know, that, that are already with me. So, um, but after hellbender, certainly, you know, but again, if you want to have a conversation now, that's, that's wonderful. Thank you so much guys. Other than that, um, You know, between this podcast and the Hellbender podcast, uh, YouTube. I've uh, I updated YouTube with uh, with a few new videos. Uh, I did the Kogala light, attaching that to the naked belt. Uh, You can check that out on my YouTube channel. I've done a few training updates on there. Um, Did some highlights from the uh, the Smokies run. So um, some new stuff on YouTube. Um, Got a few other ideas for YouTube videos and uh so check out my youtube channel and uh all that stuff's in the show notes so uh and finally thanks again to all my patreon supporters uh i know you hear it time and time again from from podcasts but you know patreon really does help us do what we do you know, it, it's not only being able to, um, put out this podcast, it's being able to do my newsletter, to be able to do YouTube videos. Um, you know, all of these things cost money. Uh, so I, I appreciate all the support, you know, that. That people show to help me keep doing all of these resources because you know I'm really just trying to give back and and help folks. So if if you can contribute uh, at any level, dollar is great. You know, it's just uh, I appreciate that greatly more than I can say. So to my Patreon supporters, thank you. If you can consider using Patreon uh, and supporting me uh, please, you know, the, uh, the links in the show notes, it's also on my website. I really appreciate you guys. Um, you can see me on Patreon. It's patreon.com backslash MR running pains. Uh, but again, links are in the show notes as well as on my website. So thank you all for all of that. And until next time, uh, I'll look forward to my next conversation. I thank you guys for being a part of the MR running pains podcast.